Hello, and welcome to the Sapona Road Church Podcast. Today is a great day. It's the day that the Lord has made, and we are excited that you've taken time to join with us as we hear from God's Word. We exist as a church to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We hope that today's message encourages and blesses you and helps you to grow and mature in your walk and relationship with Him. The Word of the Lord is powerful and life-changing, so let's see our lives transformed as we listen to today's message. All right, with, so with today being Mother's Day, what we thought we would do is we would talk a little bit about uh, an unrelenting mother. Um, and uh, that's what so many moms are. They never quit. Sometimes they never stop even when we want them to. They keep being mom no matter what. But we all should be very, very thankful for that. And uh, so we're going to talk a little bit about an unrelenting mother that uh, maybe some of you in here have never even heard about or given much thought to. And if any of you have heard sermons with Aaron and I together, he always sticks me with the hardest scriptures to read because of the names. Um, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I apologize in advance. I, I don't like hard names. And uh, actually, uh, one time when I was preaching, uh, you know, now we have the Bible app so we can get the, get the guy to read it to us. And uh, even with him reading it to me, I still could not pronounce those names. So when I got up to preach, I pulled it up on my phone and played it in the microphone. And let him read it because I just didn't want to butcher it so bad. So, but she's going to handle no, it today. I wish for I had me. that option with this one, but apparently I don't. Um, for Second Samuel twenty-one eight through ten, that's where we're going to be reading. So the king took Armani and Mephibosheth, the two sons of Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, whom she bore to Saul, and the five sons of Michael, the daughter of Saul, whom she brought up for Adriel, the son of Barzillai the Mahalathite, and he delivered them into the hands of the Gibeonites, and they hanged them on the hill before the Lord. So they fell all seven together, and we were put to death, and no, not we were put to death, and were put to death in the days of harvest, in the first days, in the beginning of barley harvest. Now Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, took sackcloth and spread it for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the late rains poured on them from heaven. And she did not allow the birds of the air to rest on them by day, nor the beasts of the field by night. And this is probably really an interesting uh, Mother's Day message. It may be unlike one you've ever heard, but just like everything else that we say when we preach, we're just giving you something to think about. So bear with us. Um, now, in this story, Rizpah was one of Saul's concubines. She had given him two sons, Mephibosheth, um, not the cripple Mephibosheth who we know in the story of David, um, a different one, and Armani. Now, due to Saul's overzealous efforts at pleasing people, a great injustice had been done to the Gibeonites. And years after Saul's death, David was seeking the Lord for relief from a terrible famine. He was trying to figure out why that was there and what was going on. And God informed him that this wrong had been done to the Gibeonites and it needed to be corrected in order for the whole country to move on. And David went to the Gibeonites to ask them what they would consider fair retribution. And it probably was a pretty hefty price, what they considered, but they required seven of Saul's descendants to be hanged. So they carried out this execution for the good of the country without even giving the seven descendants a proper burial. And in those days, we probably all know, that's the highest form of dishonor. But for almost six months, they remained attached to the trees they were hanged upon. Yes, yeah, so think about this picture, uh, or get this picture in your mind. So six months, they're hanging there, 
and their flesh is beginning to rot from their bodies. And uh, with the, that mother who's there and what she's going through, and you can, you can picture it as vivid as you like because I don't, I don't even know. I thought about Googling what, what the body would look like after six months of hanging there. Um, but, uh, but if you can imagine her from the very beginning seeing that horrific scene to the part of the body starting to rot and decay, the smell, and by this time they probably don't even smell anymore, all these things that are going on, yet she stayed faithful and she stayed there doing what she was was doing and it kind of makes you think of sometimes we see certain people and we probably all have them maybe even in our uh, our fam different family members and you see and you keep wondering that person looks like such a lost cause they look like they've they've made such a mess of their lives that it probably their whole life just stinks but yet mom's still there yeah. and she keeps on praying and she keeps on being faithful and she keeps on protecting and keeps doing everything that she can possibly do and so they've hung there all this time, and, and to her, I don't know what time felt like to her, but I can imagine it was somewhat like when we were all trapped because of COVID. And now, and you know, things that happened three months ago seem like three years. Things that happened three years ago seem like six months. It's like you can't even, you, it's like we're in a time warp ever since COVID happened, mm -hmm. or that's what it feels like to me. And, uh, and so she's there with this, but everyone else, it's like nothing's happened. They've hung there so long and they've passed by it so many times that they don't even seem to notice the bodies anymore. It doesn't seem to phase anyone, yet she's there. And they probably don't even notice that this unrelenting mother by the name of Rispa is camped out near the trees taking care of these, these guys. And so she spread this sackcloth upon the rock and she starts this vigil and it would last nearly six months. And so during the day, she would use that same sackcloth probably to beat away the birds of the air that were coming to try and eat at the flesh of these bodies. And then at night, she would have to chase away the beasts of the field who were trying to do the exact same thing. So what was this unrelenting mother's desire? She wanted to see these boys get a decent burial, and she would not quit until the job was done. Now, I love my children. I'd fight you for my children, but six months, I mean, no sleep. That's a long time for any mom, but she was unrelenting. And word finally got to David. He sent for the bodies of Saul's sons, and he gave them a burial of honor. So what's our point? The point is that if this mother would go to such extremes for the dead, should we not do the same thing for the living? That's what we are called to do. So we want to look at some of the symbolism in the story. Yeah, there's a lot of people that the enemies haven't had them strung up for a long time, but the good news is these dry bones can still live. Yes. We should never, never give up. And so some of the things we want to look at in this story is first is the sackcloth. And so if you look throughout Scripture, uh, sackcloth usually represents two things. It represents uh, repentance and it represents intercession. Uh, most of your Old Testament prophets, they would, when they preached, they would preach in sackcloth at times, and they would require that, that Israel would put it on as well during times of repentance and revival. And so it, but it's also a, a symbol for intercession. And so when a prophet would go to prayer, he would usually dress in sackcloth, and he would cover his head with ashes. Daniel 9 verse 3 says, Then I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And so Rizba's sackcloth, it reveals to us the power of intercessory prayer, of to keep on being, being faithful. And uh, actually, 
when I gave the heart, my heart to the Lord when I was 21. I had been raised in church, but I gave my mom and dad a fit for about three, three and a half years. And, uh, and I, get, I gave my heart to the Lord at 21, uh, had just turned 21, and I, and I decided to sign up for a new members class. Well, uh, actually, when I went in the first day, it made me feel real good when the guy doing the class said, what are you doing in here? So I said, I'm here to take the new members class like everybody else. And uh, he didn't think I would be in there because I'd grown up in church, but I was kind of, I wanted to get everything I could. I wanted to learn and I wanted to start over because obviously I hadn't done it right the first time. So I'm in this class and he starts off, he's talking about how, uh, why are we here? Why are any of us here? Well, the problem was, is he did not make it clear that this was a rhetorical question. I thought he wanted an answer. And you wonder why he didn't want air in the class. So I'm racking my brain trying to think of an answer. And uh, he said, you know, none of us deserve to be here. And, uh, and he kind of starts moving on. So I raised my hand. He said, yeah, you got a question? I said, no, I got an answer. <laughs> he said, to what? I said, you just asked a question. I think I, think I got the answer. And he, he said, uh, he was saying, well, there really wasn't an answer. I said, well, I, st- I think I have one. So he said... Well, let's hear it. So I said, well, aren't all of us here because of somebody else's prayers? Oh, sorry. Didn't somebody pray for us? And that's why we were able to receive the gospel and and accept Christ and all. And he said, no, that's not the answer. (laughs) And so he said, none of us did anything to deserve to be here. There's There's no special thing with any of us. It was just by God's grace. And I said, well, I agree with you on that, but I disagree with the other because I'm... So, yeah, he really did not want me in his class. (laughs) I said, because I'm looking around this room of people here, and I don't see a single person in this room who didn't have a mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, or uncle, or brother, or sister praying for them in this room. And I said, and I don't know about you, because, I mean, I'm not the... I'm not the the greatest prayer that there is, but haven't you ever prayed for someone on the other side of the world that you would never meet, that God would send a missionary and that they would hear the gospel and receive Christ? So in a way, isn't it possible that every single person in the world has been prayed for? He said, moving right along and went to the next next part of it. We just had to agree to, to disagree, but there is power in intercessory prayer. And uh, he's a great guy, but I still think I'm right. So I'm going to say it. I believe if it weren't for intercessory prayer that none of us would be here today. Because somebody has prayed for you. Even if you don't even know who they are, someone has prayed for you. And I really think that Aaron's really right, like in a super in-depth biblical way, just because Jesus is constantly interceding for us, for everyone. So if you can't think of somebody who's in your life, you might have been the first person in your family who came to know Christ. Jesus has been interceding for you. So Aaron's usually always right. If I ever wrong, I'm always wrong. So moral to that story. So moving along, the next symbolism in the story is the rock. Rizpah spread her sackcloth upon a rock for almost six months. But this rock represents Christ. He was the rock in the wilderness. He is the chief cornerstone for the church. He is always relevant. He was the foundation for the wise man's house, and we can spread our intercession upon him because he's that faithful. Then we come to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, anytime, well, almost always in Scripture, when you come to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, it represents uh, demons and demonic activity. 
I'm not going to say always, but almost always. And here's, here's a couple examples. In Mark 4, verse 3, it says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Then when you get down to verse 13 of Mark 4, Jesus explains it. Uh, he says, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they heard, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So we see here, the word is sown and then the birds of the air. And when Jesus explains it, the birds of the air represent what Satan does by coming to take away the truth of God's word and replace it with his, with his lies. And then in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, we read this about the serpent. It says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? So the serpent, now he, we know that Satan, as the serpent comes and talks to Adam and Eve and tempts them and they, they eat the fruit, but it says here, It was more cunning than any beast of the field. And so all throughout Scripture, when we see those words, when we see the birds of the air and the beasts of the field, a lot of times the spiritual symbolism always goes back uh, to demons or demonic activity uh, that are operating. And so as we read this today, we can see that the birds of the air, they can, it can represent the efforts of Satan, who's the prince and the power of the air. And you don't have to look uh, very far to see the major attack on everyone, but especially our sons and daughters that's coming through the air today. That's why we need unrelenting mothers to never give up and to keep praying and to keep uh, being that intercessor for children. Because... Uh, the airwaves of television, radio, internet, the apps on the smartphones, all music, movies, all these things, polluting the minds of our children. And you would be surprised how many children from good Christian families are struggling with a lot of the same issues with identity and everything else that the world's facing because they're being attacked in the exact same ways uh, as the world. It's through the airwaves. And uh, there's a lot of parents out there right now that will, will tell you, I never would have thought that my kid would have, had, would have, would have been so confused or would have been able to uh, be convinced to believe this way and think this way. And uh, it's happening over and over. Uh, it's just polluting the minds of, of, our, of our children and, uh, and adults as well. And so then you have the beast of the field, and this could represent any kind of drug or alcohol. Uh, I know that might be a little different than what you were thinking with the, with, the, with the other verses about it, but if you think about it, every drug, every drink, it originates from the field in some way. And so whatever is smoked, snorted, ingested, uh, drank, injected, however it's done, it, ultimately it comes from a plant or from a vine to, uh, that, that it originates from. And there are more young alcoholics in America today than ever before. And I would, I would venture to say that there are more alcoholics in the church today than ever before because uh, it just keeps sneaking in more and more and more and people were, are, are being deceived by the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And it's time for us to take our intercession as unrelenting mothers and fathers and beat away those, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field that are trying to, to mis, mislead and take advantage of so many people that we love. And the amazing thing about Rispa is that she did what she could. She didn't focus on the things that she couldn't do because she couldn't do what she would have liked to do. We all know she would have liked to have cradled her boys again one more time in her arms to protect them from death, but that privilege had been taken away from her. We can't always protect our children from all that will come our way. That's the hard part as a mom. I, 
I'm experiencing that a little bit. My son's in college. My baby's getting ready to be in her senior year, so she's going to go to college. And as a mom, you want to protect your kids from every single thing that they might come against. But we have to focus on the things that we can do. We can spread our intersection on the rock and beat away the birds and the beasts through prayer. It's powerful. We need to remember how powerful prayer is. And because of Jesus as our intercessor, when we're interceding for our children, we're being like him. It's amazing. She would have liked, Rizba would have liked to take the boys down herself, but even that, she didn't have the power or authority to do. She just had to look at them up on that tree for six months. But just as King David heard about Rizba and he moved on her behalf, the King of Kings will hear our intercession. He will save our children or whoever it is that you're praying for. We're talking about mothers with children, but it could be anybody in your life or in your family that you know at work who you're interceding for. Jesus is going to hear that prayer and be faithful. Yeah, so she, she couldn't do what she wanted to do, but she did what she could do. She didn't have the power or the authority to do any more, but David did. David had the power and he had the authority. In 2 Samuel 21, verse 11, Heather wouldn't read this for me, so I'm going to do it. It says, And David was told what Rizpah, the daughter of Ai, the concubine of Saul, had done. Then David went and took the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from the men of Jabesh-Gilead, who had stolen them from the street of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung them up after the Philistines had struck down Saul and Gilboa. So he brought up the bones of Saul and the bones of Jonathan, his son, from there, and they gathered the bones of those who had been hanged. They buried the bones of Saul and Jonathan, his son, in the country of Benjamin and Zelah, in the tomb of Kish, his father. So they performed all that the king commanded, and after that God heeded the prayer for the land. Now, I don't know if you notice this or not, but in this story, this unrelenting mother, she's out there because of two boys, her two boys, her two sons. That's the only reason she's there. And even though she was only out there for them, she actually was protecting five others as well. She was keeping the birds of the air and the beasts of the field off of all of those boys, even though she was only out there for her two. And that's how it is for us as unrelenting parents. You're praying for your kids, but you have no clue who else you may be influencing, what else you may be uh, uh, maybe doing in someone's someone's life, and I don't know why I keep going back to this uh, since I've been here. But it's not always the big things. Yeah. It can be just the the kindness you show, the fact that you're still holding on when so many other parents would have let go by now, can make a big impact. And uh, this kind of um, was it Friday night. One of my son's friend came uh, to the house, and uh, while he was there. Uh, we were talking about he was there with his girlfriend and my son's girlfriend was there and something came up about church. Because we talked about how he stopped coming to our church, sat, our, our house Saturday night to spend the night because he didn't want to get up for church the next day. So he started oh, spending yeah. the night Friday so, nights. Yeah, we, he used, when we had set up and tear down at Impact, we had to get up and leave the house by uh, no later than 7.30, um, sometimes 7.20. And it, it took us about an hour to set up everything. And so... Uh, he was saying that, uh, you know, yeah, he didn't want to get up that early. He told me one time, I said, hey, if you spend the night, you can stay Friday or Saturday. But if you stay Saturday, you got to help set up. He said, I'm staying Friday. I'm not staying any more Saturdays. And uh, so that's how we got on it. And he said, but I'll never forget that time I went to church with you all. And, you know, you're just thinking it must have been a really good worship service. 
that must have been a really good sermon. That must have been a really good altar service. You know, you're thinking all that. And uh, put that picture up, Brian, for me. This is what he remembered. So that happened to me before service. <laughs> we were setting up. You can take it down before somebody gets sick. We're setting up before service, and I'm putting the speaker up on a pole. And uh, I've, there's a guy helping me. And when you start messing with those speakers on poles, you can get too many hands on the pole real quick and somebody gets hurt. And it was me. And so the stand needed to go up higher, which we needed to adjust the bottom. So I had my hand on the top, looking down at the bottom, and the guy says, oh, I think we need to do this. And he loosened the bolt that was holding the speaker up on top of the pole, so the speaker came crashing down like a guillotine on my finger. And when it chopped it off, chopped the end, that piece of it off, um, I yelled out, grabbed my finger, because it just started pouring blood, and I had to run to the, run to the bathroom. And uh, he, so what he got from that service was this. He says, man, I'll never forget that service. I can't believe when that thing landed on your finger and you didn't even cuss. <laughs> and he kept, on, he kept on talking about it. He said, that was impressive. Because Aaron's like, I don't cuss, Amarin. You know that. And he said, but still. But still. He but said, still. but still. The way that hit your finger, that was really impressive. I was just like, but so... He was influenced just by my self-control. Nothing I said, actually it was what I didn't say, that impressed him. It wasn't anything that I did, you know, it was no big event, but it's been three years, I think, three or four years, and he remembers the fact that when my finger got slammed in that speaker, I didn't cuss, and it influenced him that much that he had to share it with his girlfriend and Stephen's girlfriend uh, while we were sitting there talking. So you never know who may be watching and seeing you as that unrelenting mother or that unrelenting father that, that is battling and fighting for your kid. Or sometimes they see what you're not saying when things are going crazy and it's easy to get confrontational when you want to grab them by the back of the head and slap them around a little bit for, how they're, for, for decisions that they're making. But you, but you have that love of Christ in you that's genuine. And sometimes that love does have to get a little violent and does have to do things like, like her beating things away with the sackcloth. And other times it's just where you're just there and they know that they can call you no matter how bad they've messed up or what they've done. They know that you're there and that you're never going to turn your, your back on them. And, I mean, that's the thing. We all know as parents we sometimes fail. I mean, I'm sure that when she was out there in those six months, she didn't get every bird she probably didn't get every beast, she, but she did the best that she could. So that's the thing. I just want to encourage you because sometimes that happens. You know, we're being unrelenting. We're being faithful as parents, but then, you know, it's been a rough day, and then you, you snap or something like that happens. I encourage you, do what you can, the best that you can, and Jesus will take care of the rest. Um, but when David heard what was going on with Rizpah, not only did he get the seven sons who were hanging on the trees that she had been protecting, he also sent for and got Saul and Jonathan. Now, when I read the story to begin with, I didn't even notice that part. Like, I kind of skimmed over it because, you know, the names kind of run together. But it, um, I feel like that means something just because she was out there for the children, but God also sent the fathers. He doesn't leave anything undone. We need to be like a mom like Rizpah, and we need to pray until the job is done. And I believe as we do, not only will we be protecting the children and calling the lost children back home, but we'll also start to see the fathers. 
I feel like that's kind of what's going on in the world right now. If you look around, the enemy is attacking the family hard. Every part of the family. But I feel like especially where the fathers are concerned. And a father, when a father walks in the room, everything changes. And so we want to see them come back home the way that they were intended to be. Fathers fully filled in the spirit. We believe that God wants to restore the fathers and the mothers to be what they were meant to be in the kingdom of God. So we encourage you, keep praying, keep pressing, because Jesus will never let us down. Yeah, what you're doing is important, and it's making a difference. And um, while we were talking about this earlier in the week, it kept what kept coming to my mind is we've gone to a lot of conferences over the past 10 years. And uh, at a few of them at different times, they talk about 100-year vision. Has anybody ever heard about 100-year vision? Okay, when you go to these leadership conferences... They're trying to stretch you and get you to think outside the box. And they would say, if your vision can be accomplished in the next five years, it's not big enough. You need to have a vision that's so big that it would take 100 years to accomplish your vision. And that you need to be thinking about 100 years from now. That's a bit overwhelming, especially for somebody like me that uh, I've never been able to answer those questions. Where do you see yourself in five years, in 10 years, in 20 years? I've never, I don't know that I've ever filled one of those out. They always get left blank because usually when it was in school, it was never for a grade. So I didn't even make anything up. But they, when the first time I heard that, it kind of, to me, it had the opposite effect. They're trying to encourage you to think big. They're trying to encourage you to go for big things. And uh, all it kind of did was scare me and make me feel like I wasn't doing good enough. And uh, I don't think God ever wants us to feel that way. Because even when he's at calling you to more, he's going to do it in the right way. He's not going to tear you, tear you down uh, to do that. So I, I, I would always think about it. Because it was about two or three conferences they did this. And then earlier this week, it, start, it started to kind of hit me. And um, because I do try my best to look at things from different ways. That's one of the things I, I try to do a lot, even when I preach. And I began to think about what would the little things I'm doing now look like in 100 years? Maybe my 100-year vision isn't that I've got to come up and, you know, because you're thinking, man, I need to start a college, you know, or school. You know, you're thinking this, you know, all these huge things you, got, you have to do. And I started thinking, instead of that, what if I just began to think of what would it look like if I don't cuss when I chop the end of my finger off when that boy has kids and grandkids, what will that look like? That influence look like in a hundred years? What will it look like if I raise my family to fear the Lord and to love people and to love God? What will that look like in a hundred years? What would it look like if I'm faithful at the church that I attend, whether it's a big church or a small church, doesn't really matter. But if I'm faithful in what God's called me to do, whether it's the nursery or the kids or the or maintenance or, or whatever. If I'm faithful in that, what will that look like in a hundred years? Because I begin to think when God's telling me that he has great things in store for me and that I'm going to do something amazing for the kingdom of God, because he's saying that over every person in here, but we all know that we're all not going to be the next Billy Graham and we're all not going to be the next Steve Furtick or the next Rod Parsley or whoever your type, T.D. Jakes, whoever your favorite preacher is. We're not all going to be that big person that everybody knows their name. But we've all been called to greatness and we've all been called to do something that no one else can do for the kingdom of God and something that's going to affect all of eternity and we're all going to find out about it when we get to heaven. And that's when I begin to think when God looks at me, he doesn't just look at the 
hopefully 80, 90 years I'm going to be on this earth. But whatever, he doesn't just look at my lifetime. He's looking more than 100 years. He's looking countless years down of what it's the effect that I'm doing, what I'm doing now is going to have. And when you begin to flip that vision around and start thinking that, stop thinking uh, the way of doing these huge, uh, what's the right word? These huge, enormous things that's, that's belittling you like you're not doing enough right now or you, don't, you just don't have the right personality. You, don't, you can't make a difference because you're not outgoing or you're not, you don't like to talk to people. It doesn't matter. I wish I could remember the story, but I've got a story I used to tell about a lady who was so scared of everything, but she loved animals, and they brought her to a pet store, and she ended up praying for a sick turtle that got healed in a pet store. They were, they were trying to resuscitate a turtle, and she prayed for a turtle because she was too shy to pray for people, and God changed her life. It doesn't matter what it is. God can use you, and because when he looks at you and you just say, see, we're so, we want to believe the enemy so much. Because we want to see the, the whole end picture instead of just trusting God for the next step in our lives, whatever that, that step is. But if we could see that end picture, it's going to blow your mind the amazing things that God's going to do through little you and the little bit that you do. If you'll just be unrelenting and you'll stay faithful and focused and keep praying for those kids no matter how crazy uh, they're about to drive you, no matter how much money they're costing you. It, it could be because when you can see the final picture, it's worth it. We say that all the time about, I don't know why she keeps putting up with them. I, w I would kick them out. I wouldn't pay their bills anymore. I wouldn't help them out anymore. You've said it. You've thought it if you didn't say it. <laughs> Heather and I have a, a mutual friend, and, uh, and uh, this guy had saved hundreds of thousands of dollars, had done all kind of stuff. He had one of his children that uh, got on drugs. Uh, it cost him everything, and he, and he had to refinance his house. And he said he would do it all over again. He wasn't even bitter about it. He said it was all worth it. He said it was worth every penny. I think I I, I hope he had other things in place too for him because he's getting older. But but uh, I believe it was uh, over four hundred thousand dollars, and he was paying for the rehab at that time. But guess what? That kid's perfectly clean and doing great now. And he said he would do it all over again for any of his children. That's an unrelenting father or mother. To have that kind of commitment. And see, God spent everything he had just for you when he sent Jesus to this earth. You're that important. Don't let the enemy or your circumstances tell you anything different. Get that hundred-year vision, the right kind. Not the kind that tears you down and think, makes you think you're not doing enough, but when you realize that every kind deed you do, every time you stand for the gospel, every time you stand for love and you stand for, for those that God, you stand in intercession for those that God has placed in your care, it is having an unbelievable effect. And if we could just, man, maybe we need to just pray that. God, just show me what, what, will, this, what, will, this that I'm, what will this little offering that I'm putting in this Sunday morning, what is this going to look like in 100 years? This prayer, this, this time that I'm spending with my kids, even though I'm having to force them to come to church with me, what is that going to look like in 100 years? Yeah. It's going to be unbelievable. And we are going to get to see all of that when it's laid out. And when we know everything and it's laid out before us, it's just going to blow our minds. That is good. I, I, <laughs> I mean, it just kind of made me think of like what we talked about in the women's meeting on Thursday, the fiesta 
faithful in every season to all, he's going to take that mustard seed of whatever you're doing, no matter how small you feel like it is, he's going to be faithful. And he's, you're going to see the harvest from it because he's just that good. Um, that's the wonderful thing. One of the things I love about Jesus is that when you think about being a good steward, you know, he calls us to be good steward of the things he gives us. He's the most amazing steward of them all. So what you sow faithfully in your prayers and in your life, just the testimony of your life to those around you, he's going to be faithful and you're going to see the harvest of that because he's just that good. Um, it just kind of made me think of something that I had read that said, mercy welcomed the prodigal son home, but grace threw him a feast. And that's what he's called us to do. We're called to be like the Father. That's what this next revival is going to look like. Sons and daughters coming home. And we're not just called to just welcome them back in the doors. We're here to throw them a party. And so that's what I think that a 100-year vision is going to look like, just sons and daughters coming back. Yeah, I still have no clue where I'm going to be in five years. So if you, don't, if you don't either, it's, a, it's okay. But we're going to ask everyone to stand. Josh is going to come up and play for us. And is everybody sitting with their family or around their family? If not, go to where your family's at, especially if it's your mom. But if it's your dad, that's cool too. But everybody go to where their family's at. I'll give you a second while he starts playing. And if your family isn't here, imagine them in your minds, them being right beside you. Okay. All right. We're going to go to the Lord in prayer for families and for moms. And uh, just right now, just if you'll lift your hands, if there's anyone here that you have a need in your body you want us to pray for, you don't have to, you don't have to tell us what it is, but is there anyone that you need special prayer today? Okay. Got a few hands up. All right. Okay, and anyone that you want special prayer for anything you do want to let us know about, we would be glad to pray for that. Is there anyone at all? Is there anyone here that's never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior and you'd like to make that decision today? Okay. All right, let's just go to the Lord in prayer. Then, God, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you for family, God. We thank you for even the ones, even the orphans, God, have family in you. Lord, you're so good. Lord, you care for us all. Lord, if there ever was an unrelenting parent, it was you. Lord, you pursue us like no one ever could, God. Lord, I thank you for chasing each one of us down, Lord. I thank you for the prayers that went up on our behalf. God, I thank you, Lord, that you received us and you welcomed us into the family and you threw us the greatest party of all. And Lord, there's even more to come. God, we thank you for our mothers. Lord, we thank you for their prayers. We thank you for their love. God, we just pray special blessings upon every mother in here, God. We just pray divine health and healing over their bodies. God, we just pray a special blessing, Lord, Lord, for what they mean to us. God, we just, uh, we just call out for all those that raise their hands that are having issues in their bodies or their minds or whatever the need may be. God, we just speak healing. God, we just speak joy and peace. God, we're so thankful for all that you do for us. 
God, we just want to see a revival of family like never before, God. Lord, we just call back the sons and the daughters, Lord. We call back the fathers, Lord, and the mothers, Lord. Those that are lost, those that are those that are confused, Lord, those that the, the birds of the air and the beasts of the field have been attacking over and over, God, help us to not let, uh, let up and to not give in, to continue to battle, Lord, and to, and to, to, continue, to continue to intercede and lift them up, Lord, knowing that they're coming back. God, I pray that as we're praying and spending time with you in our private time, God, that you would bring them to our mind where we can just call out the names of those, those Lord, that we need to be contending for. And, Lord, we do cry out, even for those on the other side of the world that we'll never meet, God, that the right person will come along, that they'll hear the message of the gospel, God, and they'll receive Christ as Lord and Savior. Lord, and we just give you honor and glory. We thank you for, we thank you for every mother in this place, God. We thank you for all that you've done, letting us have a part in their lives and them a part in ours, God. And, God, we just, wanna, we just want to be your hands and feet. We just want to love the way you would have us to love, God. So we just pray that you speak to our hearts. God, I pray that no matter what we face, God, that we will be encouraged. God, that we won't tear ourselves down, Lord, but that we will see what you're doing in our lives the way that you see it. God, that we would have the right kind of vision to see how important the little things are. That we'll be faithful in everything you place in our hands, God, just like you're faithful to us. And God, we give you honor, we give you glory, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So just wanted to say one more time, happy Mother's Day to you all. Um, I just felt like um, in my spirit just to encourage you, if your child is not serving the Lord right now, I know that sometimes it's easy to just kind of focus your mind on what they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. But I challenge you to use your imagination and partner with Holy Spirit to see them as they will be see them coming home, see them serving the Lord, see them healed and whole in every single way because that's how he sees them. So partner with him for those kinds of things with your imagination um, because they're going to come home. They're going to start hearing the song of heaven and come home. So just start partnering with Holy Spirit for that. So I just challenge you to do that. Happy Mother's Day. We are so happy that you joined us today. If you are interested in learning about or giving to this ministry, you can find more information at saponaroadchurch.com. If you are local to the Fayetteville, North Carolina area, our meeting times are 1045 a.m. Sunday mornings and 7 o'clock p.m. Wednesdays for our connect groups. From all of us here at Sapona Road Church, we hope that you have a great day as you walk in the Lord's favor and blessing.